Mm-hmm. Impressive. Shut up. Now, Miria, gloves. And this um, Sansa chapter was finalized this in 2008, but it was also in, originally intended for dance. Wow. <laughs> there goes so much of my analysis right out the window. I don't think so. Not not analysis, just uh, like an overall takeaway. Also, apparently he really didn't want to publish that Sansa chapter, but relented after his fans and editors wanted him to. Relented in 2015. 15. But then he posted Ariane 2 in 16. Have I even read that chapter? I wonder Jury's where, still out. Where this info is coming from? George Relent- Not a blog. Relenting. So that's what he said. He goes like, I'm relenting this chapter to everyone. It says, for all of you who have been howling for another taste of Winds of Winter, my faithful... Wait, are we recording? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I moved the mic toward Hannah's mouth. Welcome to the podcast, Wait, everybody. literally, I did not know we were recording. <laughs> Today on the podcast. That shows you what's mercy, up. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And Elaine won. What's the story from Well, so apparently he said that... <laughs> that is the funniest thing ever. I'm going to laugh about that for a while. Um, he said that there would be no more sample chapters because it had been a, a year since Mercy. A lot of you are asking. Everyone twisted my arm, and I quote. <laughs> That's all he says. I wonder what kind of arm twisting was going on. I would have put it up yesterday, but did not want to mistake it for an April Fool's joke. So that's the history of these chapters. Hmm. Well, I was going to say, and I'm not sure if any of you who are listening along at home, those of you who have read along with us ahead of time, the Winds of Winter Sample chapters, Elaine 1 and Mercy, I was going to say that as I was going through it, this for the second time and ahead of this recording of the podcast, my overall thought, the thing that I think that I was most wanting to talk to you about was just my my feelings about... I guess the chapters versus the last two books we've read from him, just to cut right to it. Okay. It just felt like it felt it just felt like what what he was trying to do with the Feast for Crows and a Dance with Dragons was like an idea. Mm-hmm. And then now he's sort of back to something. Does that make any sense? No. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Let me let me please explain more. Let, let me get into this. Do, wait, hold on. Before you get into mm. this, does this apply to both the Mercy and Elaine chapters or specifically to one of the other? To the sample chapters that we've been doing. The sample chapters as a whole. Okay. Yeah. Go with, on. All, with all this, the the episodes after the finale that we've been doing these these T-Wow chapters, I've been just thinking that they brought a, um, they've been bringing some thunder. They've mm-hmm. been bringing some heat. And I wasn't uh, too much of a fan of the Mercy chapter the first time I read it. But really? Yeah. On, on second read through, I think a lot of the 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 tone started to hit me. I was I was a little bit leery at first of Ar- Arya's interest in in Raph. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Like, what is going on here? Yeah. And then I, I guess it didn't fully sink in, which is kind of ridiculous because it's so obvious once you get to the end. But I must must have been distracted or something. But when you don't know what's going on and you're mm-hmm. being reintroduced to Arya in such a different way, yeah, I think that it's meant almost to be a little bit off putting because. Of the five year, the intention for this to be part of, or the intention for this to be after the five year gap. I think that that really changes things and how we're supposed to be viewing Arya. And so I think it can be a little bit maybe off putting. I don't know. It, it seems different for her. And so, which I think is what makes it such a cool chapter. Yeah. No, it was a different kind of chapter overall mm-hmm. that the, for, for the series at least, it kind of felt like we were hanging out with Jack the Ripper. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. It was kinda it was kinda strange, except we started it out with him. It was like not the bad guy, but oh, this is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. This is what the bad guy thinks about things. I should have taken his body downstairs and, and done that first so I wouldn't have to drag Deal his with body downstairs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ruthless. Ruthless. I just love this mercy chapter so much. Really? It might be my favorite sample chapter. Have I said that about every chapter? Nope, I no, haven't I think said you've that said at it all. Yet. I think this is my favorite sample chapter. Just because it's it rocks. That's really all that there like is to it? say. I love for a couple of different reasons. We get such beautiful descriptions of Bravos, which I typically don't enjoy. Those wandering cityscape type of things. I feel like that's usually kind of boring to me. <laughs> but I really liked it in this chapter, and I am just obsessed with this idea that we have this play that is satire of everything that's been going on in Westeros whether Mm -hmm. Arya has been directly or indirectly involved I think that that is so clever and so funny and such a really 
it's such an interesting way to have a retrospective look on the series from the eyes of people who are so completely removed from what Arya lived through firsthand. And I also think that the end is awesome and that Arya really pulls, like you said, it's a twist at the end. It kind of unsettled. Why is she paying so much attention to this guy and we don't really understand what's going on or mm-hmm. who's really there and it's kind of a mystery, but they're people from Westeros and they're people who are cloudy, familiar. pieces together mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And but, then it just comes yeah. together in such a tight way that I think is there's so much payoff in this chapter and it makes me really excited for what's in store for Arya. Oh, definitely. I think that when you were talking about the descriptions of Bravo sinking in a little bit more this time, it's probably because it, it's so sort of symmetrically perfectly describes the kind of night that is about to happen. Like we've heard descriptions of Bravos before and we've met some of the Bravos in the street before. Yeah. Even, you know, like we've spent time in different areas and we've spent time in the daytime. We spent time at night. We spent time in uh, like relative peace. We spent time in all out danger. But the, the crooked streets it was describing sort of matches the strange occasion mm-hmm. for the night. That's why it kind of felt like Jack the Ripper. It yeah. was like, it was like kind of misty but it's always misty there but just a little bit mistier and she's casual when she hangs her head out the window and she asks what time it is mm-hmm. and someone yells up and they're like yeah i mean i it's a girl nice girl's voice i guess i'm gonna answer you maybe maybe they know mercy but you know the the scale of bravo starts to come and in, come into order more mm-hmm. and more especially after the time that we've not had there right and then the Titled by Quentin Tarantino himself, The Bloody oh my Hand. Gosh. <laughs> it's like gunshots, <laughs> but not whatever the equivalent of uh, poisoning, like choking. <clears throat> and then like a direct cut to Tyrion. He looks like he did with a crossbow, like the, the menacing right. look with the crossbow hanging. And he's like, it's time for a hand to get bloody. Hopefully anyway. it's better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Maybe that is. Why would you go there? Because you went there. Because that's that's it's a Quentin Tarantino style title. Why would you? You went there once first. upon a time in Hollywood. You went there first. <laughs> You're a dork. We've seen the, we saw the play in the TV show, obviously, but right. I feel like it's more effective here mm-hmm. for a number of reasons, but this is where it came from. Which is another scene I really loved. I think that my love for this chapter also ties into my love for that scene. I just think the play is so, <laughs> it's just so smart and cool. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun way to do it because we, we, we've loved those moments in the, the books leading up to this point where we're maybe we're at the end of the crossroads and exactly. we, we catch some overheard information, mm-hmm. but this time it's so direct. It's yeah. like a, it's a mainline version of that, but in a way that we can relate to because we love going to plays. We love seeing plays. We love being in plays. We, we're interested in what they're about. And this time it's about people that we all know about. Mm-hmm. And we get that nice, we get like the nice information about, uh, what's his name? Isbaro. Yeah. Isbaro is playing. Robert Baratheon, mm-hmm. he demands he always to play a king. king, and then <laughs> manages to got this one in. I think the guy's name was Ferio or Pharaoh Pharrell, something who, like that. Who wrote it? So yeah. shout out to the Pharrells for uh, having cool jobs, and maybe they've got some direct information if Ciro didn't die in that moment to what exactly happened. Not that that information would be translated perfectly in this script full of propaganda mm-hmm. it's just interesting propaganda. propaganda is a cool way to talk about it because something that i was thinking about so much in this chapter is all these different characters that are being portrayed Tyrion, mostly how people talk about somebody like him out in the world and in pop culture and how that may affect what he tries to accomplish in the future because if they're talking about Tyrion like this all the way over in Bravos. Mm-hmm. It's like, who knows what they're saying about him in Small world. Westeros, you know? And I think it's a cool glimpse into what the common folk are thinking about and interested in, interested in and where their biases may lie. And so once Tyrion gets over to Westeros after everything and he's united with Daenerys, is that going to have any sort of effect on what he's trying to accomplish Dang. because people are watching plays like this and not that this exact play is happening in King's Landing, but it's pop culture, you know, mm-hmm. 
it's kind of an interesting way to bring up that issue. It's funny how it's diffused out, out at this point because we have uh, Lord Harris Swift and all of his men, some of the Mounds men, Raptor Sweeling, they're here in Bravos. And uh, in I'm assuming in King's Landing, if you're saying that play might not potentially be only li- like let's say it's not limited to Bravos that they're that similar cultural Those kinds events of conversations are, are happening. Conversations are happening, but they're also maybe entertainment is also like our world is linked up in top level discussion or at least top level people being discussed. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny how it's diffused out to this point in Bravos while they have a visitor just sort of like further tying everything together with George's universe being more synchronous. But with it being so close to home, being the queen's brother, well, all that's happening in King's Landing is those guys are getting murdered mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of it being like yeah. a, a soft thing. Such a weird, just stressful environment. You know what I mean? Like, why does it have to be like that? And it's funny because those guys are on break, essentially, that mm-hmm. are here. And they see they see him in the play after he delivers an, a, an excellent opening scene. Mm-hmm. I loved he's, I loved that we got to see it twice, too. Like, once behind the curtain. Yeah. And then now that he's finally got everyone's attention, George just playing with, like, what would I do if I was writing something that was in a, in a theater program? Mm-hmm. But being able to channel it through an avenue that we're all going to read, which is A Song of Ice and Fire and not one of the other things. Right. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, yeah, let's just uh, kill that guy later or we'll follow him at the very least. Like, that's, that's how lit up things are right now mm-hmm. and have been for a while Mm -hmm. and I know the last time that we talked to Cersei on this podcast she was in the middle of her stuff with the sparrows but at this point we can presume that she has an amount of power back they're talking about sending or like like uh, he'll have the queen the queen will have his head or something about Harris Swift not coming back with money from the Iron Bank which is obviously what they're there for just stressful in general and uh, I like this vignette with Arya with mercy. It's just intrigue. It's a lot of sultriness, a lot of scandal. It's not it's not a normal amount of sex that you would have with Arya, who's eleven year old. Exactly. Old it's much time. more grown up. There's I more guess. of it. There's people grabbing her. Yep. There's uh her grabbing on Raph. There's uh the French kiss they had. I don't think they call it French kiss though. In <laughs> I don't think that's that what they call it. it. So just, it was great, implied great that that was by the George, situation. Though, I gotta say, when he was describing it, when he was describing Raph, he shoves her against the wall, mm-hmm. and he tells her, "He's like, let me show you a thing or two. Oh, oh yeah, I got this one under control. So you don't like that? N- <laughs> I just roll my eyes. It's so just cliche. I love it. He kisses her. He. Forces his, her his tongue in her mouth. Yeah. And the way they describe it is uh, she licked it back. Yeah, which is just so. It's like, George, you're in, you're in the head of this little girl too well, man. Yeah. You're too good at this. It's too good. But it's such a great, such a great juxtaposition to what ends up happening later in just a few moments later when they're up in her apartment and Arya yeah. kills him, basically, yeah. which I think is really. Let me lay out the chronology for everyone. I feel like we're jumping all over the place, yeah. which is classic. Fine. Why but, do we know, always apologize on. for that? But that's just how we live. <laughs> she wakes up. <laughs> it's beautiful. Her window's open. The moon had been shining in. She'd been having this moon dream. And when we say moon dream, I, I mean, when I say moon dream, I mean, she had a dream about being inside of a wolf and the moon was shining overhead in her dream. Mm-hmm. I just like all that symmetry. There's the yeah. connection there. It was nice. But uh, she, she leans out the window, she, asks what time it is. Yeah, she goes to the play or she goes, where How is do it? people not be late to stuff back then? What do you mean? Like, how do people make sure they get to work on time? I don't know. That's such a stressful thing for me to think about. <laughs> It's a completely different topic. They, just, like, they didn't have stuff like phones to distract I, them. But that's know? what I'm saying is like a thousand years ago, mm. you have to be to your job by whatever time. It's like two hours earlier than we do it now. Yeah. But like, how do you know when it's time to go there? When the sun comes up, I guess. But how do you, what if you don't wake up? Anyway, it's a different tangent, but that's, I spent most of the chapter thinking about how does she get to work on time every day? <laughs> and she still managed <laughs> she's to nervous make it about to it. on time later. Yeah, because she's like, I have too. to be there on time. Like, they're going to get really mad at me if I'm not there on time. I love that. I love that, that through the end of it, she's still like, she knows she's going to be probably kicked out of the order. Mm-hmm. She knows she's definitely losing this account at the very least. <laughs> but yet... <laughs> <laughs> I got to go back and finish my rape half. scene at the very yeah. least. Oh, by the way, 
Is she playing Sansa? Yeah, so that's the question. If she's playing Sansa or if she's playing Shay mm. is another one that people think could be potentially. I think if she's playing Sansa, there's a real beauty in that because mm-hmm. it's her sister, obviously, and the ties there. I think that um, the whole murder thing maybe lends itself to Shay being the one because Shay was killed. But either way, she's playing... Well, she's not familiar with Shay, so never mind. But I I like the idea that she's playing Sansa, but I think she might be playing Shay. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That description of uh, the fake Tyrion schlong that falls out during yeah. the play. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it is that, really what a, funny. What a hilarious gag. It is and really they say funny. that it plays to the rafters. It has to be huge, so it plays to the yeah. rafters. And so it's one of those things when you see it from far away, it's like, uh, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, theatrically. It's like, oh, look at yeah. that thing. And even the size of it would be fine. because I mean, it's supposed to be big and funny, but right. also props for theater. But up close, I like it's so accurately like grotesque and like not well. When Arya keeps having to fix exactly, it, she's like, "I know too. exactly what you're doing." Yeah, that was a pretty good trick. That's honestly, pretty funny. It's just interesting to see Arya. So, I think that we get some glimmers of Arya throughout this chapter. Like, I really like when she's running around and they're asking her for sewing help, and she's like, or she needs to sew Everyone something. Everyone is yelling Mercy's name. Yeah, and she's like, I can't sew anything. Like, I don't know how to stitch anything. And it's like <laughs> such like, a fun callback to Arya. Just bullshitting her way through this whole. You're saying like, how does she get there on time? It's like I know. It's like I'm sure she's doing a lot of jobs there really well, but the fact that someone is asking her to sew and they don't know just says a lot about the state of things for the right. Mummers and Bravos <laughs> right now. Just getting yeah. probably horse drunk most of the days. <laughs> Right. Or, or performing plays on, on a whim, like uh, they're, the head of their company fancied himself, titled himself the king of the mummers. <laughs> so, so now they're good. all calling him the king of the mummers <laughs> as like uh, as a sarcastic slight. Right. But Just now he's a, taking him very oh, seriously. Oh, he's taking him very serious. And he gives him this speech before the play at the at the to the crew before the start of the play. And it's beautiful because. It's just the awareness that George has, obviously, to to not only do all this, but to while you're doing this, just dole out some extra lessons that aren't necessarily specific to the Song of Ice and Fire theme, but just in general, just commentaries. I love the extra detail and the packaging and the time and place that he chooses to dole some of this out. It's such a nice place to do it because it's in a chapter that it's it's got a murder in it, and mm-hmm. this is a, a preview, but something kind of cool happens. But also, it's. You know, Bravos has been kind of wishy-washy. And when I say that, I don't mean necessarily like, I don't mean subpar, but I mean like difficult. It's yeah. been kind of hard. Yeah. It's been kind of, the emotions have been kind of hard. When yeah. We've been there with Sam and Gilly and Maester Eamon. We were dealing with like fire and like small amounts of money and just sort of depressing things. And Sam's well, just sort of lackluster with... attitude mm-hmm. about things. Arya's sort of lackluster attitude right. about things with the House of Black and White. They're like weird, the strange, the strangeness there and not really knowing where that's all going. To this now, like hearing Westerosi people sort of like, like, when she's overhearing talking about bravos in a way that we would relate to because we kind of relate to them like the common tongue that they speak is sort of like how our brains work because it's what we're most used to mm-hmm. when george is telling us the story of a song of ice and fire so it just felt feels good feels fresh you light know? almost yeah yeah a little bit and uh i like the stuff that he was you know saying while he was doing it and uh, i like the callback to the Black Pearl, who we finally get to see, who um, was dressed in a way that accentuated the way her or the, the accentuated is the wrong word that uh, complimented her overall look. And I was just like, why don't I do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> why, also, why did I have to learn about that through George R. R. Martin's description of the greatest sex worker in the land? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I'm really grateful for the wins of winner right yeah. now for it. And uh, just the, the presence mm-hmm. and at this point in the chapter when I when we sort of got in the nexus. I know that we've talked about already heading back when she led Raph out of uh, the playhouse. I forget what the actual 
like abode is called, but I think it has a fancy name. We're going to have to go back on these chapters, especially this Elaine one as well. I just feel like he has been packaging clusters of data, like the opening sentences in this chapter alone references back to uh, the pack that she's traveling with potential uh, green site technology whether we're talking about prophetic things, whether we're, whether we're talking about it being completely random and just serving as a as a fun like red herring or strange thematic misdirection for the top of the chapter, I don't know. But there's like so many things to unpack with this stuff, right? And stuff that I think that we can do our be best read now. Times. But yeah, but several not even times. just several times, but just like this read in the context of the winds of winter. I and think it's really the- going to change the way that we see a lot of the little tidbits because not only could this play that they're putting on not only does it likely reflect the past but it could also very likely reflect the future or could in some way um i mean that's like such a classic george r R. martin thing to do and i think that we could also potentially see the second half of it in another aria chapter and kind of finish out which i think could be really cool to see like them finding that their guy's missing and she's back yeah she's back on stage getting raped which is something that they spent so much time talking about in this chapter and building up to the whole this whole thing and then potentially in her next chapter she could be up on stage going through act two and then we get into so many of the questions of whether Arya is going to get kicked out of the faceless man, faceless man, or if she's going to continue to. I mean, she seems like she's saying goodbye to this little life that she's kind of been enjoying. Mm-hmm. Is she going to leave it? Is she going to leave it? Is she going to go off and do her own thing? I mean, she violated a pretty major rule by knocking somebody off of her list and um, something cool that happened was when she when you're reading that chapter she doesn't really slip out of mercy very often if at all in this chapter i mean we get a little bit in the beginning with her um wolf dreams but not really until the end after she kills him she it says aria it says aria which is really cool because it's like you think that she's kind of slipped into this new role but she still which we say all the time but i think that it's just really neat the way george r martin did it in this chapter to have aria reference herself in the third person um or think to herself because it right before she kills him there's the um think so asked aria sweetly Raph is sweetly and looked up sharply at the long thin blade come sliding down from her sleeve she slipped it through the throat beneath the chin twisted Yada yada yada. Yeah. <laughs> then Bella Regulus Aria whispers. So I'm excited for where this is gonna go Yoch. because I don't because I mean the show did not handle this well in the slightest. Mm. Just with Arya's departure from Bravos, that whole thing was really choppy and not handled very well. And if what happens to her in the next couple of chapters is handled half as gracefully as I feel like this Mercy chapter is. I think we're in for a real treat. I do too. I think it's going to be, I, I just have been wondering what the exit was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And now I have such a clear picture. It's like, oh, I get it. When she saw the the yellow Westerosi garb and, and, and Mercy was shocked and she was shocked as well. And you know, she saw someone specifically that made such an impact on her when he killed Lamy. Someone that she really liked. And mm-hmm. what, what was happening to Lamy was really sad on top of it. Not to mention it being just like her first jaunt being completely alone not long after seeing her father like uh, executed. So right. it, it sunk in pretty hard because she was learning about who she is now or really getting a lot of that basic foundation of not trusting anyone and being ready to kill anyone at a moment's notice based on seeing brutal stuff like this happen. Right, right. And so now bringing that brutality all around, I think that I understand seeing seeing in that moment and being like, okay, well, this guy's worth blowing the plan for. I think that well, maybe she almost my... blows it like in front of other people too. Yes, uh, yes. I was going to say, I think that on my first reread, I was like, I don't know why she she would I, I didn't buy her being so easily thrown off course mm-hmm. because of how much work she had done to get mm-hmm. to this point. And uh, I bought it a lot more this time. It just seemed like 
if you see if you, if you listen to her self talk, she's like struggling with certain facts, and she's in her head. And the way she's referring to him is she's saying things like, "I have to have him. I must have him so bad." Mm-hmm. And obviously, she wants him to get away so she can kill him, and right. she wants to do it so badly. But her patience is exact enough to get him that far and to say the lines in the way that she wants him to. Uh, so in the middle of like intermission, essentially. Oh yeah, which is a great <laughs> which is time. So that, just great. she had to hurry. I know. She had to hurry. It's 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 creepy killer shit. Is it what it really is. is. It's creepy killer shit. It's it, dark. Would, oh god. When you read the the POV of serial killers from other books, it's like that. It's like that. The weird justification. The weird cramming in of time. Were you gonna say Corman Strike? Yeah, I was. I was going to say yeah. that. I was thinking of career evil. Like yeah. he does like really creepy stuff, but he's not, it, it's, it's not only in that book. It's in general, like that's a, it's a, the, like the slippage of time and the weird uh, at the, at the end, the weird sort of not homely, um, like thoughts, but the, the thoughts of cleaning of the body and get rid of the body. It's mm-hmm. just a very human thought after doing something so brutal is a, yeah. is a creepy asshole thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that's written it in characters that are essentially that, you know, right. that are untrustworthy. And, and that's what Arya is doing. Arya, yeah. yeah. Something else that's kind of cool with the whole killing thing is the name mercy itself and how people so often are use the word mercy to beg for their lives when they're, about to be killed. And I know that um, Raph doesn't necessarily do that in this chapter, but I think it just sets the tone for Arya's continual progression towards being a cold-blooded killer. Yeah. Like a good song sort of encapsulates what the song is. Mm -hmm. It's sort of philosophically, if you're really good, the sound of the word, the cultural significance of the word... All of it sort of blends into one. If you're good enough, if you can make it good enough. And so George did that with the name of the chapter and also with how many times they say her name, mm-hmm. with why over they were saying and over it, and with over. the crooked streets of Bravos. This thing was just a, a a beautiful flower bloom of a chapter. It was it was it was awesome. It was very cool. It's very atmospheric. And uh shout out to the people of Bravos. And to all visiting representatives for checking out this new play. I really feel like supporting the local arts in Planetos is going to be important even, sorry, not even now, but especially now with winter coming more than ever. We can't lose that kind of stuff. I have one question. Okay. Inside of the secret pocket of the Mummer's Cloak, was it? A. I'm scared. <laughs> Do I get kicked off the podcast if I fail? <laughs> a fruit knife. Or B. There's only two options. Needle. Um, what do you think? <laughs> you look like you're really thinking about this one. I'm going to go with B, needle. It's got to be needle, right? It's absolutely. I think that that's part of the whole thing is like she thinks of herself as Arya. She's doing someone on her list and then she pulls Needle out from under her. Yes. I think that... That's why it says Arya. Yeah. Like right after. Exactly. Exactly. It ha- absolutely has to be Needle. So she takes herself, Arya, and runs it up the leg of Wrath the sweet- Sweetling, runs it down in a specific manner, hemorrhages the femoral artery. Oh, he, he knows what's going on and he's like... He's like, oh, I can't do shit about this. Yeah. <laughs> I love the... Obsification, if that's if I'm using the word correctly, it reminds me of the uh, first episode of the second season of Twin Peaks. If anyone's listening that has seen that, you all know what I'm talking about. I've heard about you. This is like someone's been shot at the end of season one, mm-hmm. and there's like this painful, like this old guy being like, he's like a room service dude. He doesn't notice the guy dead on the ground. Yeah, and he's just like putting the plate down and stuff, and he's like. I've heard about you. That's wild. It's like, yeah, right? It makes you want to watch it, right? That's how this was. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. That's what this was. Sort of a... Yeah. He, uh, he's begging to go run, find a healer. And she's like, can't you walk? Kill me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know how you'll get there then. You'll need to carry me. See, thought Mercy, you know you're lying and so do I. Think so? Asked Arya sweetly. 
which we already mentioned. And then she just, she goes through it, through with it, Valmorgulis, and then says, mercy, 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 she's saying sadly, a foolish, giddy girl she'd been, but a good, but good hearted. She would miss her. And she would miss Danae and the Snapper and the rest, even in Zambaro and Bobano. This would make trouble for the Sea Lord and the Envoy with the ch- chicken on his chest. She did not doubt. Yeah. So there's some stuff set into motion here. She would think about that later, though. Just now, there was no time. I best run. wonder what kind of retribution the crown is going to seek, if any, at the death of one of the mountain's men. I don't know. Or if, or if it'll be brought back as some sort of freak accident. Just bra- you went to Bravos. What do yeah. you guys expect? <laughs> yeah. one of, only one of you got dumped into the system. Right. You're good. Part of me, I mean, I don't know. It could go two ways. Part of me feels like it'll be one of those things that there was too much other stuff going on. Today's podcast is brought to you by Quip. What actually makes a better toothbrush? Industrial strength power, multiple modes. If you ask your dentist, they'll tell you it's less about the brush and more about how you use it. That's why you need Quip. Quip's sensitive vibrations with a built-in timer guide gentle brushing for the dentist recommended two minutes. The 30-second pulses ensure an even clean. And Quip automatically delivers brush heads to you every three months for clean new bristles right on schedule. The sleek, intuitive design is simple to use and comes with a travel cap that doubles as a mirror mount too. Simply put, Quip makes brushing something you actually want to do twice a day and good habits matter to live a healthier life. That's really the key with this thing right here. You need to do, you need something that is going to increase the likelihood that you're going to stick to what you've said you're going to do. And when you have an electric toothbrush and you haven't replaced your heads in way too long, you're going to be less likely to use it. And if you use Quip, you don't have to worry about that because they will replace those for you. It's that simple. And I like that, unlike most electric toothbrushes, they don't look like something out of a strange science experiment. They look like toothbrushes. That's just just me. I don't know if that's important to everyone else, but that kind of thing is important to me. Quip starts at just $25 and you'll get your first refill free at getquip.com slash game of owns. This is a simple way to support our show and start brushing better, but you have to go to getquip.com slash game of owns to get your first refill free. That's getquip.com slash game of owns. Yeah, I think that that's that is going to be like swept under the rug. So much of that is going on right now, too. Just in general, that's a good transition to Elaine One. So much is going on, right? And it's going on <laughs> because things are heating up. Things are heating up, and the snow is falling. Can I make a if comment a that I read? Waterfall. As we frozen. transition into Elaine, yes, please. Um, we were talking about things heating up, and I was reading a comment as I was just kind of searching the web mm-hmm. for. As I do after I read the chapters and somebody commented on Reddit, they were like, the Selene chapter reads like the opening scene of Gossip of a Gossip Girl <laughs> show. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. And then all these people were like, what the heck? What are you talking about? There's so much depth here. Blah, blah, blah. Well, have you not watched Gossip Girl? Yeah, that's people? what I was going to say. I was like, <laughs> come on. There's too much intrigue here. People are so quick to, to dismiss Gossip in Girl. <laughs> and also that as well. This Elaine chapter, and I think that part of this chapter kind of um, changes the way I look at the Mercy chapter because Sansa is genuinely so happy in this chapter. She even makes a comment somewhere in the middle when she thinks to herself, and let me find it. Um, She hears them training out in the yard. Yeah, she hears them training out in the yard and she basically thinks to herself that she's never been so happy. And she's, there's a couple moments in this chapter where when she's running, when the swords are here. Oh, Elaine loved it here. She felt alive again for the first time since her father, since Lord Eddard Stark had died. They're getting ready for this tournament. Mm -hmm. She feels like things are swinging in her favor. There's a cute but mean boy who's coming to meet her. (laughs) There's like all the glitz and the glamour of living at a place like Winterfell and kind of playing host. All of that's coming around. 
and but now so, she's old enough though to be in the middle of all this fancy and intrigue exactly she's the star of it and so i think i kind of color the way i look at the mercy chapter because and think that like Arya's also living her best life which she might be she a little is, bit though. but i think that she is these were so good to pair together for this exact reason and for other reasons but yeah yeah they, they were kind of in their element they are in their element and Sansa is so in her element. And as we talk through the chapter, we can talk about like what this means for her future. But at least for right now, she seems to be really, she's getting much better if she's not yet perfect at it, but she's getting much better at um, reading the room mm-hmm. and she's not perfect at it, but she's kind of better understanding how she can play the game which I think is really cool to see. She's definitely growing up. Oh, also her idea about getting, giving Robin Aaron, constructing him uh, basically a Kingsguard, having his own winged men based on Robin Aaron's obsession with the legend of the winged men. To keep him safe and make him brave, which I thought was really cool. Isn't um, having like a Kingsguard against the law? I don't think it's against the law, but it's definitely like frowned upon. A weird thing, a weird thing to do right now with the tumultuous state of the crown, but also after Renly's yeah Rainbow Guard, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, and that just, didn't go so well. Well, he was, you know, it's treason. It just seems like p- potentially treasonous weirdness, but also with just the the power vacuum in general in the Vale right now, and with all of this pa- pageantry all happening at this exact time. Right as the snow is falling, mm-hmm. the waterfall is frozen solid. We've had to abandon the Erie because winter is going to make that place nigh unlivable. And then once it's unlivable, you know no supplies can go up and down. What do they say? Winter is coming. Oh, <laughs> winter is coming. It really hits different. It hits different. The white ravens have flown. And uh, what, a, what a great occasion to pull everyone together. And uh, under weird circumstances... This tourney, this, this, uh, never been done before. Huge tourney. Mm-hmm. And it's during this time. There's 64 people competing in this thing. And there was 64 courses of food prepared That's... at this feast and celebration for that tourney. Get this right before winter. And we've got a scene in this very chapter we're little fingers in the granaries with Nestor Royce and they're like checking stuff out. They're like, all right, all right, we're seemingly going over what we have, seeing what we can spare, seeing what we can get profit off of, seeing what we might have to buy off of other people, seeing what we might have to steal from other people. Once we have uh, our pirate friends taking care of stuff up the three sisters mm-hmm. right south of White Harbor. It's just like so much is going on. And yet let's have a feast of such grand proportions. Let's pull our ancient wheels of cheese out of our storehouses. Let's take every lemon in the veil and make a 12 foot high lemon cake to and celebrate this event. all these crazy gifts yeah. out to everybody. It's so extravagant. Interesting time to be extravagant. My thoughts on that were, thank you for asking, by the way, my thoughts on that were blank. No, I was, <laughs> you're like, yeah, very curious. <laughs> Please tell me more. I was, I was thinking <clears throat> a show of power, mm-hmm. shows of power, flexing, flexing. Instead of saying anything else, I think it comes down to this. I think that being the gatekeeper has been kind of like a stunty thing to be for this guy, his whole life and his family. And even people like Miranda Royce, just judging by the kind of person she is in conversation, how interested she is in power, but not how deep that knowledge really seems to run inside of her. And if she's the best they have to offer, seemingly, I'm kind of coloring her dad and the rest of her family in the same way. Mm-hmm. They're they're throwing all they got at this moment before basically they become irrelevant again for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I get the the need to do that. Or, or sorry, I get the desire to want to do that and to throw a bunch of your best stuff at it. But it's just kind of weird how no one is really thinking about how shitty winter is about to be. Except for... Except for like Littlefinger. Lord Peter Baelish. Yeah, boy. Do you think that Sansa and Littlefinger are truly on the same page about next steps and like what they want to get out of this because both of them reference different plans that they've got both of them kind of reference um, 
their roles in whatever's going to come next. Do you think that both of them are working towards the same goal? Or do you think that maybe Sansa is starting to get ideas, like bold enough to get ideas of her own? I I think that's a good question. I don't think that she's transitioning out of it yet. Mm -hmm. Not yet. Because I read this really interesting thing that talked about how Littlefinger, we look at the end of season six, seven, whatever, six, seven. Of Sansa walking down with the Darth Sansa outfit Mm -hmm. and the the eerie? Sansa taking over Littlefinger. Oh. That like that whole plot of that was season seven because season Mm -hmm. eight was the last season. Mm -hmm. That whole plot of Littlefinger and Sansa was essentially plays off the same idea of Littlefinger realizing that Sansa realizing that Littlefinger was really the only thing in her way and Littlefinger realizing that Sansa had grown too much out of his control Mm -hmm. and that he like given her too much sway and that what could happen in the veil is similar to what happened in season seven and that Sansa eventually prevails over whatever Littlefinger is currently scheming Mm -hmm. towards which I think is kind of interesting I didn't I kind of really butchered that but I think you get the idea of what I'm trying to say I think you were trying to say yeah um I don't know if Sansa's necessarily at that level yet I don't think that she's necessarily necessarily has all of what like everything what that she needs to be able to play on that level or enough people around her that she can trust um but I thought that was an interesting thought in the sense of her growth and Littlefinger's growth and if that's even a plot that's even going to take place down the road I'm not 100% sure but there's lots of like pre- scheming happening in this chapter definitely i think it's good practice ground for her to see how effective she can be in groups of people but i think that the fact that she's deceiving them all bottom line with her identity is kind of negative because there's not a lot of trust that's going to come there otherwise if she no decides the veil yeah if she decides to like say "Ooh, i'm this person so i don't think that anything could could actually happen here unless there's because it is leading to something we, we Sansa's are, too happy. Sansa's too happy. <laughs> the the there's too many people. There's too many decorations. <laughs> there's too much. It's food. too cold. <laughs> it's too, it, it's this is this is going to be. An, I didn't expect it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, and I'm happy that it's happening here and in this way. And uh, it makes sense. This seems like one of those things that George definitely didn't come up with, but that he gardened into when he was like, "Of course, it's going to happen here." At the gates of the moon. That is that is pretty. But a, what's a it? Thing. What is it? What I think it will be a, a crowning a, a of sweet red, Robin, red wedding esque grab for power. Ooh, yeah. By what little finger murdering everybody? Uh, if it's not uh, figurative, or if it's not literal, literal, it'll be figurative. Mm. And uh, it, I think that that only goes to show you just how ineffective these leaders are in the veil in general and just how much they're willing to do to get what they want. Mm -hmm. I think that it makes sense that now being at this point, six books into the series, they're throwing their huge feast while everyone else has had feasts, lived and died and rode the heavens. You know what I'm saying? And there's a reason why Littlefinger is piloting the situation here and why Sansa's practicing here and why she's probably going to have a lot more experience with stuff later because the, you know, they're just working on another level. Right. Because maybe, maybe it's because um, they're actually on a different level or it's just because that's how fate like worked everything out in this situation. I think that's fun to think about the possibilities of other people in certain situations of power. And I think that in real life, it's easy to imagine that because life is so complete. It's what we base all these stories on. And George does a really good job of sort of recreating those potential circumstances by just having so much realism put into it. And allowing us to imagine other people doing different things and allowing us to imagine someone like Miranda winning if she wanted to. Yeah. Just because she's bold enough to want it, you know. Miranda making Sansa run before she meets (sighs) her own man because she like wants Sansa to look like an idiot. She's just honestly get out of (laughs) here. You (laughs) hate her, but I love her. Yeah, no, she's I I, she's fun, but I'm uh I like I like Sansa and Littlefinger scheming. Right I know now. <laughs> I love Miranda though because she's just so. I've met hundreds of her before, oh, and I'm you've sure. seen hundreds of her before in every TV show. Right, but or not every... everyone is just staring at their breasts. 
I know, but like, that's what are, so, that yeah, can't but they be a are. thing for real, though. Hundred percent, it for is. Real? Yes, they just can't help but to stare. Yes, I just, I just have never. I mean, like, I appreciate breasts. Let me, let me say that right now. <laughs> Let's get. But this I'm not the gonna. Straight. I'm not gonna. Like, I love the double cheeseburgers. Right, love them. There's a YouTube channel called Grandpa Kitchen. Look it up. Wow, they made like 700, probably more like 70. Still, it felt like 700 double cheeseburgers wow. outside. Wow, I can't wait to watch that. And yeah, but here's sight. the thing: it's like these nights that are like hype up there's this huge tournament happening everybody's like amped up and just trying to get some you know and it also just sets the tone for this really interesting dynamic between elaine and miranda and their little like back and forth girl talk and their fake friend like their fake friendship kind of situation that so fake who among Please us come save me oh i'm so glad that you saved me who from among these guys. us has not been in that situation a Sansa, thousand times I over like, i don't think that they were that into you honestly yeah but they were doing the same thing to sansa yeah i know but just it'd be fun because she's really gonna be in mean it'd be fun to watch her be mean sansa? we're gonna get that that's your answer she's gonna be mean as fuck to miranda at some point because you've seen it in this chapter, Sansa can get it. Like when Harry is mean to her and she just quips right back yeah, at him. Like it's, she yeah. doesn't even skip a beat. That's the thing. She's good at this. She's And that's so why she was having good. so much fun because she realized like, oh, I've been through so much. This is a cakewalk. Exactly. She's trying to get Harry to get in, to be into her. And so she refuses him at all the wrong time or all <sighs> the right times, insults him at all the right times, but then like plays so coy. It's just, she's... What makes Sansa the best in the biz is that she takes these skills that people think mean nothing and uses them to her advantage. And she does a really knitting. (laughs) Not like knitting, but like but like being highborn and knowing her way around a dance floor and knowing her way around men. Like she just those are things that I think people are so quick to dismiss in her world. Little do they know that half the stuff that even happens or gets done comes from moments like that. And it's just, it's so fun to see her work and be so extremely good at it. She was really good at the beginning of the chapter when Lynn Corbury was fighting. They were, uh, I forget who he was fighting when they had practice swords. And, um, she like walks up to him and is like, Hey, what's up? And eventually calls him out. That whole conversation with Corbett, like the biggest thing that I get out of it is that Sansa realizes that he's not who like he has, she describes it as like thick with venom or something. Mm-hmm. And that he, this might be what you're referencing or maybe it isn't. I couldn't find what you're referencing. Um, He's not who he says he is in the sense of that, he's working for Littlefinger pretending to not be working for Littlefinger and maybe he really is, isn't maybe working he really for hates Link. Little yeah, Littlefinger yeah, but just, is working for him but hates him and is going to turn on him exactly and she kind of like those levels click for her it's yeah. like oh interesting okay I can kind of see how this is going also like he's just a good actor in general if yeah. not because he looks like he hates me right so I thought that was kind of like an interesting insight that comes from comes from the discussion yeah but Um, she's in the belly of the beast if she's doing that if she's if she's walking up to this guy and she's garnering getting information and planting information as well like planting seeds to lead that sprouts into other things i think she has to be dirty it's so king's landing but she i mean it's what else is she supposed to do sit by passively no she's supposed to no you're right she absolutely has to do that while she's, she's the reason also, why it's happening like this. Why it's all happening just like this. Exactly. That's what's that, that's that's her and her element. That's part of why she's like blossoming throughout all of this. Wow, if only Miranda knew. <laughs> like I, I came also, up with this tourney. Okay. Okay, so quit showing me around. But Miranda also <laughs> thinks she's blossoming up her own plans. She too. is blossoming, boy, let me tell you. I mean, yeah. like it's not hard to blossom when there's sixty four plus nights. No, it's not. It's not, but it's just funny. I wish that we could potentially, so we get descriptions of the evening where it's like somebody comes up to ask her to dance and it's like he was her first partner of that evening, but far from the last. Oh yeah. Um, Miranda's brother at some point. Mm-hmm. He was like, they're like loving it. I wonder what Miranda's evening was like. Cause we didn't really get that get much a of a finger. look. <laughs> yeah, I guess That's so. her deal. Of course. She's like, I'm trying to give little fingers. How big little finger, little finger again. She's like, I'm going straight to the top. 
I just want to read. I just think this whole conversation that she has with Harry at the end about saffron and spices so and good. all of She's his like, kids. His name is, her name is Saffron. <laughs> She's like, should we ever wed? You'll have to tend saff- or send Saffron back to her father. I'll be all the spice, spice you, you need. need. What the heck? <laughs> oh my it's gosh. So funny. Uh, yeah, no, that was Sansa's killing it. See, this, this kind of stuff is turning me on the Sansa team. Not that I am not on the Sansa team, but I'm definitely not on team Sansa. If that makes any sense. Which is so wild to me. Well, you just can't be on Team Sansa if you casually support Sansa. Yeah, you're right. I'm not, I don't stand Sansa like you guys do. But Sansa was like, hey, I'm going to win everything basically in this chapter. She's so, and she's so well, she keeps so poised when Harry is so mean to her in the beginning. And he's like, why would I want to be escorted anywhere by Littlefinger's bastard? Like, Yeesh. she's so nervous. And she's just like, thinking about her hair and she's just she's like oh wow he is really hot I'm so grateful can't yeah. believe that that worked out for me and then he's so mean to her and then he says that to her and she's she curtsies and she says a lady's armor is is her curtsy Elaine could feel the blood rushing to her face no curtsy, tears she prayed Sorry. oh courtesy you're right. Did I get that right no you're right it is courtesy it's because I can't see anything because this is too far away for me to technically read I can't see either a lady's armor is her courtesy. <laughs> Elaine could feel the blood rush into her face. No tears. She prayed, please, please, I must not cry. As you wish, as you wish, sir. And now, if you'll excuse me, Littlefinger's bastard must find her lord father and tell him, let him know that you have come so he can begin the tourney on the morrow. And may your horse stumble, Harry, the heir, so you fall on your stupid head in your first tilt. Which, um, I feel like that could be such a classic thing of Harry is going to totally fall on his face because like George R. Martin just tends to put stuff in there like that <laughs> and so maybe he will and maybe he won't because apparently he's a really terrible knight. Uh, it's going to turn into but, a knight's tale and he's going to yeah. try to give her like uh, signs of his affection yeah. and win her over. Well yeah he asked her he's like will you be my lady tomorrow or whatever she's like oh sorry. Can I, I wear your favor? I'm betrothed br- promised to somebody else and then she's like <laughs> please read the end because it's so good. Okay. <laughs> He grinned. I'll hold you. To, oh, this is after the um, I'm all the spice you'll want comment. He grinned. I'll hold you to that promise, my lady. Until that day, may I wear your favor in the tourney? You may not. It is promised to dot 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 another. She was not sure who as yet, but she knew she would find someone. Oh. <laughs> as you're saying, things are happening in the veil. I think. I think, again, this is one of those chapters, and maybe this is a cop-out for us saying this, but again, this is one of those chapters where I think that a lot of the pieces that we're probably missing are going to really come to play in the future when we think about what Sansa's moves are, Mm -hmm. what Littlefinger's moves are, what even, like, Sweet Robin's moves are, because he's pretty self-aware in the beginning of this chapter. Yeah, he knows that Harry the heir is Harry the heir Mm -hmm. to him. Exactly. And that... That means that all these people here can't mean that he that they're the only ones thinking about. It. He's just aware, right? He knows, and I'm curious not to interrupt your thing. No, please I go back on it. But wh- who do you think is the one that's? Is it Littlefinger or is it someone else? The one what giving giving Robin this info? Oh, it's just I don't know. Curious because lots of people talk to him, including Elaine. So if it's not Littlefinger, you can't. I mean. That wouldn't be very smart. Right. Or any of the other servants kind of around. Or is this stuff that he's just kind of picking that f- up? That because fool he's... was giving him info, though, as right. well, about Harry the Air. Or is he just like picking it up based on conversations that are happening? You know what I mean? People are probably feeding him info. Hmm. I think it's probably a combination of a lot of people. I think he's probably, I think a lot of people are, and Sansa herself included, are manipulating him. For their gain, as as not as they should be, as much as they should be, but as anybody likely would in that situation. It's funny because he still calls it his father's castle. Yeah. And everyone's trying to get it from him. And I can't help but to think that that is part of the reason why he calls it his father's castle, because he knows that he just has this dark feeling that it's just not going to work out. It's for never going to work out for him. Yeah. He's so pessimistic and he just loves he was, Elaine and he wants to marry her so badly. He also is like, listen, if I have to marry someone else, like uh, you're still going to give me bastards, <laughs> yeah. right? And she's like, come on. What a great exit that she used like to get out of the room. Because yeah. imagine how hard it is. You know, how hard, it's sometimes hard to get out of conversations. Whew, that was a good one. Anyway, I digress. It's so pure, though. All he wants to do is, like, 
read books with her and take naps yeah, with for her. Now. <laughs> <laughs> not not that that he wants her to have bastards, but that like he's like we can get married and you can just come lay in my bed and read me stories every night. Well, she's like, well, that. what's in it for me, kid? One other thing that I thought was really funny. I feel like I'm just going through reading my favorite lines, but hey, oh, this is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my TED Talk. I, <laughs> another thing I really loved that was such a great mood was when Miranda and Sansa were talking to each other about um, all these different nights and Miranda, there's like all these different nights that are going after her. The two guys that we're talking about, mm-hmm. she goes, I'm praying they fight a duel for my hand and kill each other, which is Jeez. so funny. And one was really old. Curious cast of characters at this tourney. Only time will tell. Well, because it's like, imagine, and Sansa says this somewhere in here, they never really had the opportunity to fight. They yeah, didn't get involved that. in anything. And so this is our time to like yeah, prove their so manhood. It's true. Littlefinger heard this idea. He was like, oh my God. I wish this I came with this be. myself. She was so like, she was so delighted when she went to Littlefinger's study and um, was going over his stuff. And was going over the facts of the event itself and was thinking about uh, just the satisfaction. All these letters came in and like uh, everyone said yes to this idea. She's so proud. Yeah. Yeah. She's so proud. I wonder how that translates later. Like how she, how she's going to use this confidence in the future. Because let's say for now, Littlefinger's in the Grand Region. He's a busy guy and people are looking for him. And he's like... He's not, they're not modern day with meetings and he's got like a bunch of squire, like a, he's got a squire and like buffers of people or it's not even like King's Landing. It's, it's as like, it's pretty much as humble as it gets, but he, he, these people are busy. They're going from situation to situation, scheming, uh, giving people gifts, like the gifts and the the fancy food and the and the music, what's allowed at least, all of this creates the, <laughs> the feeling of realness, that this is all something that's real, that we can all get behind. And that is good for whatever Littlefinger is like trying to steal when he, as he gets power or not of the veil. And it's also just good for everyone to experience this because winter is coming mm-hmm. and it might be the end of everything so it's just weird mishmash of yeah. of that entire sentiment that you just described which is lady lysa aaron did forbade them to ride off into the war of the five kings mm-hmm. and so imagine how long it had been at that point since robert's rebellion 13 years or so and we're dealing with i mean a new generation and a half of fighters and some that have been aged and uh, it's just like, come on, when are we right. gonna when are we gonna meet those girls, or right. when are we gonna see the world? When do I get to prove myself? And right. I'm, when am I gonna have something to say whenever I'm talking to Miranda? Stories Royce? to tell, yeah. That's not yeah. a joke. And uh, this is that opportunity. It's not desperation. That's not the right word, but it's there's a lot of weight riding on. I think a lot of. It's very charged. I just want something to happen to me. Yeah, it's charged. It's <laughs> and charged. to those of them that are smart enough to know how how ominous winter coming can be with with the environment around them freezing. So uh, just it's there. Look around you. You're not in a, a city and you're not seeing like you're not reading about it on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like you're seeing it. You're seeing it happen. It really creates a mood that's quite irreplaceable Mm -hmm. and it couldn't happen any other way no and it couldn't happen this particular situation in a better place i'm really excited to because i think that things are going to escalate pretty quickly from here i'm really excited to see like we were kind of talking about a little bit earlier what sansa's role ends up being and what Littlefinger's role ends up Mm -hmm. being and how they come out of this whole situation right of course they are i mean we Again, we always say this, but like there's a few things that we have to assume based on the TV show. And one sure, of them is sure, this. Sure. I feel like. Well, let's say that happens. OK, so they step out of this. Were you going to say you feel like they they had to Winterfell? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if, where they go next. If they do. The the Sansa of of mystique and uh, sort of self satisfaction will be interesting. Yes, it'll be interesting. Post veil when the veil if with and when the veil is really theirs and she's no longer saying a lane. Sansa rolling up 
to Winterfell for Battle of the Bastards with that kind of swagger, I think we'll just having defeated all these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're That'll so be real. Whole different. They're real. It felt like in the show, it was like, okay, this is real convenient. But I think that <laughs> that level yeah. will be there. I think everyone cool. felt that way. I think people's grandmas felt yeah. that way. <laughs> what about your grandma? I can't remember. I had to ask her. I have to ask her. You know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. But yeah, no. Definitely cool. Ready to stuff. Good chapters. I am ready they to were good. They were good. These, Yeah, these two chapters rock. I um, wanted to just step out and give my mercy own to the play. I thought it was the coolest device to world build and to make me feel a different kind of bravos, mm-hmm. even though it's not different from the style, like the sort of artisan, weirdy, like accordion listening to like weird people vibe is in yeah. bravos anyway in all the chapters. But right. he really like reached a zenith with it, I think, and is like he's very sure of what he's doing. And like I said, I hadn't previously had a rabbit hole out of Bravos. Uh, I hadn't been convinced that there was going to be a good rabbit hole out of Bravos. But if it seems like she was struck so much by these guys that she just was willing to throw all of it away anyway. Mm-hmm. She was carrying needle in the first place, right? She was prepared for something to go down, right? If if Arya is good enough to out smart those people if they really thought that she was a member of the order and she was secretly carrying needle she's as much if not more of a badass than her siblings you know what i mean oh yeah because those guys are not to be trifled with i just need to know the truth and it will help me understand my own believability with the story and i'm probably not the only one so winds of winter can't come soon enough amen to that yeah um i'm gonna give my own to isn't borrow the king of the members <laughs> I want to read this passage because it's so funny. <laughs> when Isambaro had first dubbed himself the king of the mummers, the company had taken a wicked pleasure in it, savoring the outrage of their rivals from Dorne, or yeah, no, from Dome, from the Dome and the Blue Lantern, which we didn't talk about those, but like the place that Arya is at is so the bottom of the barrel. And so that's why it's so exciting that the Westeros people are there and they're like, wow, there's like fancy people here for once, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Of late, though, Isambaro had begun to take his title too seriously. He will only play kings now, Morrow said, rolling his eyes. And if the play has no king in it, he would sooner not stage it at all. This is so typical. It's so I've beautiful. amassed some followers. Ah, uh, let me become the let me become the king I that I was faking myself. <laughs> it's really funny. So that's my own. Cool. My own for Elaine one. Hmm. For Sansa Stark, Queen in the North. Hmm. My own goes to the Royces for <laughs> for being. They are so. I know that amidst all of this and the potential gamesmanship that's afoot, and probably how weird he feels for the. Imagine how against his morals head Royce guy is right now. Nestor Royce feels about being on Littlefinger's side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to host this party. And have all these people here and give them your best food and you get to hang up the tapestries that Robert Baratheon once owned. Apparently. And you knew him as a kid, so how special can they be to you? <laughs> <laughs> Either way, you're living your best life, Royces. I'm really happy for them. Yeah. That's my own. Um, I'm gonna read another passage for my own. Cause there's both of these chapters are just so much funny stuff. Like like you're saying, both of them had much lighter tones. Um, I'm going to read, give my own to the part when Sansa comes over to talk to those knights that are talking to Miranda. Mm -hmm. And she saves Miranda. Not to be outdone, the pimply knight hopped up and said, Sir Ossifer speaks truly. You are the most beautiful maid in all the seven kingdoms. It might have been a sweeter courtesy had he not addressed it to her chest. And have you seen all these maids yourself, sir? Elaine asked him. You are so young to be so widely traveled. He's older than you. He blushed, which only made his pimples look angrier. No, my lady, I'm from Goldtown. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh shit, I'm supposed to be from there. Yeah, but she's like, you've seen every woman in the Seven Kingdoms. No, my what lady. A compliment. <laughs> uh, that's just like, to me, embodies all of the beautiful quips that, that Sansa has in the Selene chapter. So I interrupted your own like three times. I'm sorry about that. No, honestly... Didn't stop me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you think it's like kind of like, come on, you're calling that guy too young. It's like, Sansa, you're 16. 
it's fun. That's why it's so funny. It's because it she's funny. just like rolling around there like it ain't no thing. Right, I get it, Sansa. First, we have eight at Stacy twenty seven who says, "Own for Elaine one, own to Elaine." I'll be all the spice you'll need. You go, Sansa. <laughs> and own for mercy. Own to... Oh, you can read this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, also own for mercy. Own to Bobono and his cock that keeps falling out. In quotes. Because it was a stage cock. We all know those. Get it? At P94 at home. Own to their existence. And from Ghost Chase Killer Chase, own to mercy for owning the sweetling. You'll need to carry me. Hashtag think so. <laughs> He's like, get a towel, like staunch it at all. Press it against it. Do something. So there's, my hands are tied. There's nothing I can do. Blood spilling out of your leg is a scary, scary way to go. Ooh. It's a sharp pain that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until your head is hurting so bad you're like why is my head swimming and then you pass out and then you're gone great so raf r.i.p <laughs> it's been real it's been we're real. not gonna miss you i forgot what the throat injury as well so he's he's awful twisted if you want to send in your owns yes or if you want to just hit us up in general you can find us on social media you can find us on twitter at game of owns you can find us on instagram at game of owns and you can find us on facebook by searching for Game of Owns, and you can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com. Our next chapters Victorian 1 and The Forsaken. Da, 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 da. Our last two sample chapters. When people think the Winds of Winter sample chapters, they think Mercy and they think of The Forsaken, right? Yeah, I would think so. So here it is. We're going to dive into it with the most preparation possible, meaning I'm going to probably take a bunch of bath salts. <laughs> <laughs> meaning I'm going to go back in time. Yeah. <laughs> so I can be there for when they were read. God, that's exciting. I can't wait to interview you like, like any other like normal person coming on the show for an interview. Like, so what was it like being in the room when George R. R. Martin read? I've told that story so many times on this podcast, but we'll yeah, tell but it again. What if people haven't heard it before yet? That's true. That's true. So that's what's coming up next. That's the next episode of Game of Owens. We have another podcast, which we're now six episodes deep on. Mm -hmm. It's called It Really Makes You Think. And... I, I mean, if you ask me, I think it would really make you think. <laughs> we recorded the last episode of that in my car, we which did. is kind of silly. That podcast has a YouTube channel, so it's on video and it's audio, just like you listen to this podcast. And you can go to reallymakesyouthink.com and find that YouTube channel, or you can search It Really Makes You Think on all of the podcast players in existence, and it will be there Should from now until the end of time. Yes, please. Tell everyone. We are going to be at Ice and Fire Con in the spring, which I know it feels like it's far away, but it's not. We already have away. been planning and scheming oh, yes. for some things. So you can book your tickets and use promo code GOO to get a little discount. Go to IceandFireCon.com to do that. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for sending in your owns. And thank you to Miranda Royce for your... <laughs> <laughs> voluptuous neckline. We really appreciate it. I can't it. stop thinking. I just literally can't <laughs> stop thinking about how hot and alluring you are. God, yes. Don't fight in the north or the south. Fight every battle, everywhere, always. In the mind.